Thanks for listening to the Velocity Church podcast. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Now here's the message. I say this often, it's something that I appreciate uh, every time I'm at this, uh, this church and I hear teaching, I see, I see things, it's the healthy balance that we have in this church. It's, uh, if you've only ever known this church, you don't realize uh, what a blessing that is. If you have been around the Christian spectrum, you, 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 the, the thermometer or the, the gauge goes from crazy to boring, right? It's, it's, and, and, it's, and it's all over the place. If you've ever, ever been in a crazy church where you're like, I don't know if I can bring my friends to this. Uh, and then a boring church, you're like, I don't know if I can bring my friends to this. Uh, but we are so blessed to, to uh, you know, to have a place that we're excited and proud to invite people to. Oh, wow, there's double the amount of people I thought there were. But <laughs> when, when we pulled out today and it was raining like crazy, I, I said to my family, I said, anybody who's at church today, they are like legit. These are the legit people. So well done. Give yourself a hand. You braved the rain and, and all, the, all the other stuff. So... Uh, once again, uh, what, what uh, Baba started us off with, with um, discover, develop, and deploy. Discover, develop, and deploy. Um, having been around in church, people are keen to discover. Like, yes, I would like to learn that I have spiritual gifts. And then develop. Yes, I will go to a Bible study and I will uh, go to these things and develop. And, and then I'll go to another Bible study and, I, and another one. And I'll develop and develop and develop, but deploy. Oh, you oh you want me? Yes. Yes, you, who we've been cooking for 25 years. Yes. It's the deploy that people like, ah oh, no, I don't think. And and we're gonna have some fun today. And and remember, I'm gonna say some things that you're gonna think I'm talking about you, and I am. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. It's just we've got a lot of similarities of things that we fear and things that we do. And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, listen, what a compliment that is. That the Holy Spirit of God would put something on your heart to convict you or encourage you. Like that's, that's cool. That's like a rock star pointing you out of a crowd and like, hey, you, you shouldn't wear those two colors together. You should feel special. Okay, I, I want to remind us again, why does it matter? Why does it matter that, that, that you discover, develop, and deploy your spiritual gifts? And, and I'll take us back to, to 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, all parts suffer. And if one part's honored, all are honored. Every time somebody comes to this church and says something positive, we all should feel honored. Everybody who's, who's been part of making that happen, whether it's teardown, set up, whether you brought the cookies, whether you're part of worship, whether preaching, whether you, you, you put the tables out, whatever it is, when one is honored, we all honored. But when one is hurting, we're all hurting, which means if I'm not doing my part, the whole team hurts. And we, and we spoke about football and we spoke about all those things. If I don't do my part... Uh, right football, it's a tired game and it's time for the kicker to come on and kick for the extra point to win the game. And the kicker's like, no, I don't think I can do it. But we've been practicing for years <laughs> for this moment. No, no, I can't. What do you think the coach would say? And I'm going to show you that God has emotion over this stuff. It's, it's fantastic. Like God really cares about you using your, your gifting and how important it is. So what a, what a, what a great uh, series, Pastor, that you have led us into. Thank you. All right. Um, so what we're talking about today, and it might seem like a bit of an oxymoron, is the practical side of walking in the spiritual gifts. The practical, the normal, the, the, the mundane, the, the everyday side of walking in spiritual gifts. Now, the spiritual gifts can only come from the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's nothing I can do to simulate that. That has to come from God. 
but there's a very practical side of these things. And once again, if you have never been in a full-blown uh, uh, charismatic church where people are running laps and doing that, I encourage you to go check it out. You must. It's, it's <laughs> we should experience the whole range of, 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 of God's people. You can learn something everywhere. And in that church, you can get very fit, right? You go to church and burn calories at the same time. But there's a practical side. And, and, and one of the things is it's, it's wonderful that we believe in everything that the Bible says here. It's wonderful that we believe in being filled with the Spirit continuously and, and walking in the Spirit. But sometimes you meet believers that, that are, are so heavenly minded that they know earthly good. And what I mean by that is they forget the... the the, the regular stuff, and I'm going to show you from the Bible that Jesus was very practical while being completely miraculous. And, and, you, and you try to have a conversation with somebody, and they're using, you know, all these languages like, yeah, but how do you do your job? Yes, no, I read my Bible six hours during work time. I don't think that's the best way to do your job. <laughs> like, if you have a job, you should be excellent at what you're doing. But you understand what I'm saying? We can get so lost in, 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 in spiritual things, but it's not real spiritual things. We've, we, we've elevated uh, the, the, the walking in the Spirit to actually being unrelatable to other human beings. And once again, the, the beautiful balance that we see here from our leaders uh, is, is, is wonderful because we can laugh together, but if somebody is sick, we are laying hands on the sick and we are trusting that God is going to do a complete miracle. Uh, speaking in tongues, right? It's, it's, a, it's a subject that you're scared to bring up. It's like the COVID vaccine. You're not sure <laughs> where you can mention <laughs> this thing. But uh, I, I've, I've spoken in tongues my, my whole life. And uh, um, for me, I'll just tell you a quick little story so that you can think I'm, I'm, I'm completely crazy. But when I was young, I went down and it was just very normal at our church in South Africa. Like, Everybody just, that's what you did. You got saved and you got, you know, you got filled with spirit and you spoke in tongues. I didn't know until coming to America that there was this like whole thing and all these problems and that. It was just a very normal thing. And um, I was about four years old and I'll never forget this. I was about four years old and I had uh, broken my mom's alarm clock that was next to her bed, you know, maybe a month before. And uh, I, was, I was battling to believe, I was struggling with my faith that what the Lord had given me was truly tongues because it sounded, it was very short. It was very embarrassing. And in the circles that we were, like everybody had these like rivers of Babylon, like <laughs> just like these flowing languages and stuff. And I had like two words that, I, that I'm not going to repeat. But I had these two words that my mom was always encouraging us and, uh, uh, you, you know, to pray in the spirit and that. And uh, anyway. So one day, uh, you know how you have conversations with the Lord? And I was like, Lord, is this real? And I remember this day. And I just felt to, to look at the alarm clock and begin to pray in the Spirit. And I did. And I began to pray and the clock began to tick. And I stopped. And the clock stopped. And I began to pray again and the clock began to tick. I was so excited. I grabbed the clock. I went and I told my mom the story. And she turned the clock around and I didn't even have batteries in. Now, you can choose to say, that guy's a liar, right? And you can. You can believe whatever you want about that story. But it changed my life. And God met a four-year-old in that moment with, with just trusting him for the belief. But that's the thing. You see, you have to step out in your spiritual gifts. And there's a practical way of doing this. What happened to that alarm clock was completely miraculous. But it was a very practical thing that I was asking of the Lord to make this clock tick. And, and you say, but God says, don't test him. Testing is about the heart. It's not about uh, looking at practical uh, uh, applications. God wants to build you up. He wants you to be confident and to believe. So don't think that you can't ask God things. But when you cross your arms like the Pharisees did when Jesus made that statement, after he had done all these miracles and then they're like, show us a sign. What he was basically saying, are you joking? <laughs> like, 
There's nothing that I can do that is going to impress you if what I've already done didn't convince you. That's what he was saying in that context. So the practical side to walking in your gifts. Okay. Everything spirit giving is given is miraculous. Who believes that? What, what is a miracle? A miracle is something that happens that I can't achieve. It's, it's, it's beyond my ability to do. I would even say what God has put in creation is miraculous. Every time a seed grows, that's a miracle. Who here can grow a seed? Yes, you can water in that, but you cannot make that seed grow. That's something God has put in. He's put miracle into nature. Everything that is spirit-given is miraculous. And I want to show you, I want to tie miracles to walking in the spirit and tie miracles to regular spiritual gifts where we consider that this is a lesser spiritual gift and this is a greater spiritual gift, but yet it's the same thing. All right, so 1 Corinthians um, 12.10 says, He gives one person the ability to perform miracles. Is that a spiritual gift? To perform miracles. Yes, this is all part of the, the, the same context. And another to prophesy. So as, as uh, Pastor Arthur has said, when he gets up here to speak God's word, he prophesies. But nobody is going like, oh, We just witnessed a miracle. Like, he just got up there and it was a miracle. No, because we've, we've put things on a certain category that we rate. Like, if you heal a blind eye, that's five points. Blind and deaf, that's ten points. And all the judges are like, that's a yes from me. No, every spiritual gift given is miraculous. Who here realizes that we experienced a miracle with the worship that went on here today? And don't think that you can't take miracles for granted. Oh, you can. And the Pharisees did that. Jesus healed a blind man and they wanted to kill him. Talk about taking it for granted. You're like, no, if I saw somebody blind get healed, I would never doubt again. Yes, you absolutely would. That's the human flesh that we are warring against. You with me? We witnessed a miracle. People stepping out in their spiritual gifts to lead others to the throne room of God. If that's not miraculous, then I don't know what is. So, some to prophesy. He gives others the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or, an, or another spirit. This is a very important gift to have. I would say Pastor Arthur has this gift. As the shepherd of this house, he must have this gift. To go like, hmm. <laughs> No, I don't know about that. Where someone else is like, no, this is amazing. And he's like, no, that's, that's from the devil. <laughs> Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. I'll say one more thing about tongues, and then uh, we'll move on. I believe tongues is on purpose such a crazy gift. Because nobody prideful speaks in tongues. Now, I'm not saying if you don't speak in tongues that you're prideful. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that, that you can't speak in tongues and be prideful because it's such a, you have to humble yourself for that. But people who do speak in tongues, often God pours out more and more giftings because it's, it's, it's like if I walk in with my kids and you're like, I like that kid, but not that kid. Well, you don't get me either then. And if God has a gift for you and you're like, mm, no, I'll take the preaching. But this little weird one over here, <laughs> no, thank you. You don't get one without the other. And I'm not saying that you have to speak in tongues. But what I am saying is you can't reject one part of God and think that you're getting the other part of God. And many times if God is wanting to give you the, 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 the gift of tongues, it's because he's got more than he wants to give you but, you, but you have to be faithful with little. And then he will reward you with much. So I, I, I will tell you one other story. So my mom, my mom has been crazy for Jesus our whole lives. And my brother and I laugh about this today. And we don't do this to our children. But my mom... She would read us the Bible every morning right through our entire school. Uh, that's, where we learned, that's where we learned scripture. Uh, and then we would pray. And then she would make us pray in tongues and then sing. Now, sing in tongues. 
please, mom. We don't want to. Sing! <laughs> uh, my brother and I laugh about that today, but we turned out okay. All right. If you need a miracle, let's be practical. Now, that sounds like I'm doing this in my own strength of that. No, let me, let, me, let me prove this to you. But very normal actions plus supernatural power can lead to miracles. Very normal actions. Here, let me give you an example. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's a very normal thing. Everybody's laid hands. You hug, you pack, you high five, you whatever. But there's something different about a very practical thing of laying hands on the sick and then a supernatural belief that a miracle is going to take place. So here you have very practical act on our part, bringing a supernatural act from God. What does this have to do with spiritual gifts? Many of your spiritual gifts start with something very practical. The preaching of the word. There are people that stand up, uh, as Baba said on, um, on Luke this week, it's not a TED talk. Motivation lasts for a moment, but if your heart is impacted and changed and transformed and somebody goes from death to life because of the preaching of the word, well, that's a very practical thing that became supernatural. So don't think because you didn't get all goosebumps when God wanted to use you and gold dust fell out of the heavens that, that, that you're not walking by the Spirit and God is using you in a very practical way. I was at an airport once and uh, I was sitting there and I was listening to a girl on the phone um, and it just sounded like, like life was imploding. And it, it takes a lot of courage to tell someone you've been listening to their conversation. <laughs> but I just felt the Lord had, had, had something that I needed to tell. And, I, and, and so I said, you know, sorry, I overheard you saying this and that and uh, here's, here's what I think God wants you to know, right? And I didn't know if it was real or not real. I mean, I, I stepped out in a practical way of being an eavesdropper. But <laughs> maybe, maybe about three years later, the, the girl found me on Facebook and wrote to me to tell me something. And, and, and what the Lord had said through me was, was very accurate. And I don't know what the difference would have been had I not spoken. I can guess. But it, it had an impact in her life, but it was a very practical thing. There was no tears, and I mean, it doesn't mean there can't be tears, but there was no tears, there was, no, there was nothing. It was just like, hey, I think this. And she was like, thank you, you weirdo. And then <laughs> she went on her way. Now, there are absolutely moments where, this, where the presence of the Lord is poured out, and we are on our faces and that. But don't think that it has to be like that every single time, or you will miss the hundred other times that God is absolutely moving in a very special way. Where you had a where you had a baseball game and you're screaming and shouting, and at the same time you can turn and say something so significant to somebody that transforms their life in this like normal setting. Don't think it only has to happen at church. You are the church. We go out. Um, all right. So so let me show you an example. So the first miracle that Jesus ever did was at the wedding at Cana. Right where his mom says to him, hey, it's Mother's Day. <laughs> it wasn't Mother's Day. But uh, they've run out of wine. She says, uh, you know, says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And he's like, mom, come on, man. And uh, Jesus says, so he looks around and he sees that there are the, the jars, the big jars for ceremonial uh, bathing. And he says, okay, go fill those with water. Now, is that a miraculous act? No, it's very practical. Jesus looked around, saw the jars, and filled it with water. Now, if I was going to do a wine miracle, that makes a lot of sense. Like, let's use water. Let's fill these jars. Like, genius. He could have also said, you see that tree? Go and squash all those grapes. He could have done it another way. And, and grapes could have appeared off a tree, but he did it very practically. But it's because miracles many times requires our involvement and faith, and not because God can't do it on his own. He could have rained wine from the sky. 
But that would have done nothing for the faith of the people around there. Or, or, or whatever, what, whatever his reason is for doing that. And so they, they fill it with, with water, they dip it, and they take it, and the guy's like, what? This is amazing. This must be from Trader Joe's, right? And <laughs> it was very practical. It was, it was very uh, uh, normal. Everything they did up until the miracle happened, and that's the same as, as praying for the sick. It's very normal. Right up until the time the person's healed. And, and uh, uh, you know, speaking in tongues, you don't, it's not like one of those poltergeist movies where suddenly your eyes roll back and, <laughs> and then you come out and you're like, what just happened? And you're like, I don't know, but your clothes are over there. And <laughs> it's you in partnership with God for all of these things. <laughs> the difference between just a jar of water and a miracle best wine is a spiritual gift. And that's you apply to anything in your life. Anybody can host, an unbeliever can host people in their house. Then why is it a spiritual gift? Hospitality. Because there is a difference between practical, normal hospitality. And when people come in your house and feel the presence and the peace of God and, and experience a miracle in that capacity. Right? Don't be so humbly prideful to say like, oh, God can't. No, I don't have anything. Really? You're telling me that the almighty God who created man from the dust and woman from a rib, he can't use you? You are that unusable that God goes like, I can use these 7 billion people, but that guy, no, can't do anything with him. The only difference between water in a jar and this incredible wine, everything was the same up until a spiritual gift was released. The gift to work miracles and it became wine. We have to take the pressure off ourselves. And put the pressure where it should be. And that's on God. For, for far too long, I've prayed for people under so much pressure that, oh, we've got we to do this. Now, there must be faith. There must be expectation. Don't get me wrong. But I don't work miracles. If a miracle happens, it's because of the Spirit of God that a miracle happens. Amen? Amen. Overcoming the barrier of excuses. This is key, and it applies to so many people. And I think we've all had to, had to do it. I, I, I bet you, Pastor Arthur, Dina, who, whoever you look up to and go like, wow. Everybody has had to overcome the barrier of excuses because it's just inherently in our flesh. We all battle fear, but realize that fear does not come from God. But yet, because we battle fear, we take it as normal and we just accept fear. It's, it's something that I work very hard with my children to just because they're scared of something that does not give them the right not to do it. Yeah, but I'm scared of that. So what? You know what I mean? Like in the society we are today, something like, well, I don't like that. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't like that? Oh, oh let me... <laughs> we, we've just accepted these excuses and, as that's okay yeah. and, it's, and it's robbing us from walking in what God has for us and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you from scripture I'm going to show you someone who you hold in highest esteem who had to, who had to face the same things that you, that, that you face and that I face my mom was very good at, at that in pushing us into things I remember we went to a diving uh, uh, she doesn't want to know. Um, yo, bun, oh, you're in the bungee. But when I was young, uh, hard dive, or, you know, in a pool. But like super high ones where they do the flips and everything like that. And I, I, I have been uh, scared of heights. I don't know when it happened, but as far back as I can remember. But like terrified where I'd look over and literally I'd have a physical reaction. Where, I, where I'd have to lie on the floor and I was crying and, and stuff like that. And... 
My mom made me jump off that thing. And then once I jumped, I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Can I go again? No, we're going home now. You've wasted all our time. <laughs> and then later, she paid for bungee jumping, which I, I can't tell you how hard it was to, to, to jump off that platform. Like, like I felt all the things where, where, where you, it was real. It was real. And I jumped and they, miss, they misdid my weight, Right. This is in Bali. I can't believe I let some guy. And I, I smashed into the water where I was just supposed to touch my fingers. And I come out and I'm like, yeah, I nearly died. And my mom's like, I paid for two. Get back up there. <laughs> but what it's taught me is, uh, now I still, if I look over a building or something like that, it, it, it's, it's not easy. But I've done these things. I've skydived. I've done all of these things because I do not want fear to rule my life. Because what if God one day requires something of me and I'm like, sorry, God, I can't. If, if, if fear is not from God, then where does it come from? It comes from the enemy. Uh, we, we're going to get into this now, but everybody knows what's the number one fear. Public speaking. You can see that on Google. I asked my AI just to verify. My AI said yes. <laughs> but I think this is nonsense. Because if I called you down here, somebody who's very scared of public speaking, and I said, okay, you can preach a sermon, or I can put you in this bag of snakes. I bet you $1,000 you'd be like, brothers and sisters. <laughs> there is no ways. That speaking in front of people is more scary than getting stuck in a sack of snakes. So, but here's what I got thinking about. How often is the gospel verbally communicated? Why is it that the number one public fear is speaking to other people? Do you think some of this is coming from the enemy? To silence us, to keep us quiet? I mean, it seems like such a crazy fear that the whole world would have. You have to stop and say, hang on, there's something more sinister about this fear. And I'm not going to be uh, put in this when this does not come from God. If it does not come from God, then why? Why do you want to live with it? Whatever, that, whatever it is. Why do you want to live with it? You with me? Yeah. We just accept things and like, no, no I'm just... Uh, I think I've told you a story before, but Jordi and I were, were um, jet skiing uh, once at a friend's ranch. And uh, this girl had fallen in the water and we went to get her and she ended up capsizing the jet ski. Jordi, how old were you? Maybe five, maybe, yeah, even, even smaller. Anyway, I went off the jet ski and the last thing I saw was Jordi getting crushed by the jet ski into the water upside down. I couldn't even see her, right, because we're in a pond. And I'm feeling around for her under the water, and I grab her, and I pull her out. And you can imagine how fearful she is. She's gasping for air, all of these things. Anyway, we, we go to the dock, and I said, Jordi, I need you to come get back on the jet ski. <laughs> how many of your moms are like, you're crazy, you irresponsible father? I said to her, it's so important that you come ride this jet ski with me, because otherwise this is going to set a level of fear that you do not need to have in your life. And that has happened to us in our lives for whatever reason. We've now built up a resistance to, to this thing to say, no, I can't do this. And I humbly ask you to think about God. If he can make a donkey talk, really? Stop and go like, really? He can't use me for this? Listen to this. So God's calling Moses, the almighty God of heaven. He's calling Moses. Listen to this. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Please, God. I'm not very good with the words. I have never been and, and not now. And don't you know that Google says that everybody is scared of this? How can you make me go do this? Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And the Lord breathed in and said... He said, Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or do not hear, see or don't see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. What a motivational speech from the Lord. Like, 
I formed you. I know what you can do. I'm your creator. And Moses, <laughs> but Moses again, please, Lord, don't send someone else. And then the Lord became angry with Moses. And that's why Moses is not here anymore. <laughs> that's not a true story. But, but like God became angry because he's infinite. But we do the same thing. But I wanted to show you that you're in company of people who went on to do incredible things. And even though God gives him Aaron, the account that we read is Moses still, do, he went and did it. So God still had mercy on him to say, okay, take Aaron, you know. But Moses was the one who did it. So why? Why do we believe these limitations when God is literally saying the same thing to you for whatever excuse that you're coming up with? Saying, but I formed you. I know you. I know what you are able to do. Right? God often uses leaders to call out our gifting. This is, this is very important. When I was 18 years old at a church camp, as far away from God as I had ever been in my life, a youth leader who I don't even remember his name, but I remember his face and his hair. He pulled me aside as I was leaving the, the Friday night worship meeting that we just had. We, had. we had gangs of church, never mind gangs of New York. We had organized before this church camp, there was going to be a huge fight going on between us, the non-pastor children, and the pastor's kids. And we could... <laughs> I could not wait to beat those kids. <laughs> and we were doing it at church camp. That's where we had. That was the fighting ground. And on my way out, this, this youth leader grabbed me and he said, God wants to use you for great things. Now, that's every youth leader says that to every child. But something hit me and I fell to the ground and I cried for an hour. Like the, like the presence of God interrupted me. And then my buddies were mad at me because... I wasn't there to fight with them. But often God uses leaders because they can see something that you can't see. A coach, uh, uh, whatever, can see something in you that you can't see. Uh, I was doing very badly in school. And uh, the, the deputy headmaster called me and he said, next year I'm putting you in an all-girls class. But not like the hot girls, right? The, the nerds. And I was like, please don't do that to me. This will be terrible. Do you know that my grades went from, from like failing in 50s and that to like 70s and 80s? Because he saw something in me that I could not see in myself. Now, of course, there's the other side of that where people will try to bring you down. I had a headmaster who told me I would amount to nothing. But you know when somebody is speaking life and speaking something into you, and often leaders will speak something into you that you're like, could it be true? Whether, whether you're now on a worship team or whether you're preaching or whether you're doing something at work. Uh, 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 our pastor in, uh, in Aspen, he said, Brent, you are very apostolic. I was like, thank you, pastor. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. What's apostolic? Like, I had to go look it up. And basically, apostolic is the entrepreneurs of the, of the faith. The people who, are, who are start new things and, and, and go out and do things. And he called something out of me before I ever believed any of that stuff. And so in this church, you are here for a reason. And your leadership can many times see something in you that you don't even believe is possible. And to us, it's like, this is so obvious. This is so obvious. My son, uh, when we were going through all the, the uh, gifts uh, last week uh, that Pastor Bubba was going through, he is, mercy is absolutely his gift. If somebody is hurt or injured or in trouble, this guy is amazing. He, he, has, he wants to help on that, but he does not believe me when I tell him that. But it's so clear. It's science. You know, I'm like, he has all these, he has all these things. Trust. That God is speaking through your leaders because your leaders are put there on purpose to raise you up to do the work of Christ. And yes, it's scary to, to step out and, you know, to do these, these, um, 
to do these things. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories uh, that my mom read to us as a kid that I haven't told in many years. And maybe you've heard it, the story of the chicken and the eagle. Has anybody ever heard that story? Great. This is the perfect audience I want to tell it to. So uh, a farmer who had many chickens, uh, one day is out on his field and he, and he finds an eagle egg that has fallen down from the tree and it's lying in the field. But he doesn't know that this is an eagle egg because he's a chicken farmer. So he takes this egg and he just puts it with the brooding chicken. And anyway, a while later, all the chicks hatch along with this eagle. And he just thinks this is a weird looking chicken. And anyway, it grows and it grows much bigger and its beak is different and its talons are different and everything. But it, it's just learned to grow up with the chickens and it walks around and it just picks food on the floor. And sometimes it looks up to the sky and it's like, man, that's cool. But I'm a chicken and it just keeps pecking. After, after many months, uh, uh, a friend of the farmer comes to visit the farm to see how, uh, how it's doing. And he's like, you've got an eagle living with your chickens. He's like, is that what it is? I was like, man, that's a crazy looking chicken. And he says, how can you keep this eagle? This, this thing should not be pecking food off the floor. Like this is meant to fly in the sky. He's like, well, by all means, if you can get this thing to fly, but it, it it functions just like a chicken. And the friend takes this bird and day after day after day, he's trying to get it to fly and fly and fly. And the moral of the story is, well, there's actually two ends to the story, depending on which way you want to go. The one is the eagle takes flight. And the other is the eagle just drops to the ground and continues to live as a chicken. But it took somebody to recognize what was very obvious and, and from our upbringing, from disappointments, whatever it is, we can just go, no, I'm just a chicken. And it's like, are you crazy? Look at the mirror. Look at that beak. There's no ways you're a chicken. And, and I believe that's one of the main functions of church leadership is for you to actually believe what's in the Bible about you. Going back to the Jerry Maguire scene, help me. Help you. But people will fight you to stay exactly as they are. And I don't understand why. Why would you want to stay like that when you can be up in the sky and soaring? Yes, but it's high up there. Yes, but look at your wings. Don't be the, the chicken, the, the eagle that goes back to eating with the chickens. Once it's called out, run with it. I had studied to, uh, to be a counselor at the church when people got saved. They would go to a little room and we would go through all the scriptures with them. That's what I, I studied to be at the church. At graduation, this man named Ian Mackay came up to me and said, Brent, I really want you to come serve in the children's ministry. And I said, thank you. I'll pray about it. <laughs> he said, no, you won't. <laughs> You will be excellent at this. I said, I am, I am terribly shy. You, you have no idea how shy I am. And it was the truth. Thank God for that man who just looked through my excuses. My mom couldn't tell me to do that. It had to come from, from someone else. And that changed my life. I would not be preaching today if, if that man had not interrupted my thing and put me in that children's ministry. Without a doubt. We learned to have fun. We learned to tell jokes. We, I mean, it was, but it was so scary. You, you can't believe. But just because it's scary doesn't give me the right to not do it. So what is your excuse? And are you willing to anger God over it? <laughs> I'll tell you another story and then uh, we, we're at the end. But uh, my, I asked Jordan if I could tell this uh, this story, because I don't want to be that pastor that tells stories and the kids are like, I'm not going back to that church. But anyway, Jordy's learning to drive, which is uh, an incredibly exciting uh, time in our life. Uh, I'm so excited to teach you to drive. So anyway, she's excited. And this is the Sunday that I'm getting ordained as an elder, right? So we've got our nice clothes on and all our families put together. Anyway, so we drive and we get to uh, Nathan's Barbecue. And then she's like, she's ready to get out of the car. Um, because, and she did, she did great. And I was like, no, you're going to drive us to church. And she's like, Dad, that's on the highway. And, and Daniela's sitting in the back and she's like, yes, babes. I don't know if she should be on the highway. And then that just set 
Jordan orphan. Anyway, so now there's, there's, there's tears, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And anyway, so she doesn't want to turn. So I grab the steering wheel and I, and I turn like this to, to put her on the track to the highway. So you can imagine. Now she's merging for the first time into traffic. She's never done that. So I'm like, okay, merge, merge. And she's like, I don't know what merge means. <laughs> so there's shouting and there's tears and, and everything's going on. And we get, we get to the church. And like, if anybody was watching us as we arrived, the fact that I'm getting ordained that son is just hilarious because Daniela's in the back. Josh is crying. Jordan's crying. Josh is like, I thought I was going to die. And... All of this. So we come in and, and anyway, Jordan comes in and I try to put my arm around her. She doesn't even want to hug me. She's so mad at me. And then we get out of church and uh, she, uh, she goes to get in the back of the car. And uh, I said, what are you doing? She's like, I'm, I'm, we're going home. I said, you're driving. No, Dad, please. She's driven on the highway a few more times since then and, and crushing it. But... It, let me tell you what, it is hard for a leader. And of course, this is natural. And I've done this to all my leaders. But it's hard for a leader to push somebody who doesn't want to be moved. And, and she was very gracious. She got in the car and she drove us home that day. But why make it difficult? You hear what I'm saying? Like with Moses. Like he's, he's not even going through a human. He's, he's arguing straight with God, like pleading with God, please don't do this to me. No, no, please. And then God gives him an explanation. It's like, you know, I like what you said, but please. Why do we have that recorded? So that we, we know, we know that, that God can relate and there's other people that have gone through that. But that's no excuse to stop there. Face your fears because you don't know what is waiting on the other side of conquering that fear or what you are limiting in your life and what you're limiting in the lives of others. Look at this, at leaders recognizing. I'll read this quickly. 1 Kings 19, verse 19 to 21. So Elijah, the greatest prophet on, on the planet at that time, found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. What was he doing? There were 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then he walked away. He was not in prophet school. He was not reading a book on how to be the next prophet. He was not doing any of those things. He was in a field plowing when Elijah walked up to him and put his mantle on him to say, you're the next one. You're replacing me. That's what that meant. Sometimes God will call you for things that you, you you're like, what, me? Yes, you. Don't resist the calling of the Lord and the gifts that He wants to release in you. Did He feel like a prophet in that moment? No. Okay? When Jesus sent out the 72, they returned joyfully and reported Him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we use Your name. These were people who were just going about their ordinary daily lives and Jesus equipped them to go out and suddenly they're coming back. They're like, I can't believe what just happened. I never imagined that I would be here being used by God for something like this, spiritual gifts. And the last thing is, gifts are activated in motion. Gifts are activated in motion. Mark 13, 11, But when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what you will say. Just say what the Lord tells you at that time. I don't feel like I have any gifts. Yes, you don't. Right up until you use them and you do. And then you start to trust the Lord in that. It happens in motion. In motion, step out. Take a chance. Be practical, but with faith trusting that God is going to do something and conquer your fears because why live with something in your house that is not from God? That means you are giving the devil permission to limit your life. Why? And my last slide. Next one there. Do something. Like, 
Remember? Don't just discover, develop, deploy. Do something. Even if it's small, do something. Thank you to everybody who participated in encouragement. Like, it's such a low-hanging fruit. It seems like such an obvious thing that we we would want to write nice things about each other and pray for each other. And it's such a low-hanging fruit. Yet even that is met with resistance. Because Satan doesn't want you doing that. Well, I can't encourage anyone. Nonsense. In the words of Ace Ventura, nonsense, booby pants. We need you. We need you. You are with, with the God in you is far greater. You look at Moses, you're like, I could never do what Moses. Moses didn't think that Moses could do what Moses did. We are exactly where we need to be. We're exactly who we need to be. And God has called us for this moment. But don't be waiting for the sky to split in order to believe God wants you. He's told you, now trust Him at His word that He's given all of us gifts. And the way that we discover them can be a very practical and testing trying. Ask, seek, knock. And things start to work. Last week when, when Pastor Bubba was going through all the seven things, my kids keep turning to me like, that's dad. That's dad. And I was sitting there going like, when, yo, when did that become me though? Like I didn't go out after any of these things. But what I did do is take every opportunity that the Lord gave me, whether it was packing chairs, whether it was preaching, whether it was going to India with my mom, whether it was doing missions, whether it was teaching children's church, I took every opportunity as, Lord, thank you that you would give me anything to do in the kingdom of God. And then I started to find my way of of where the Lord would have me. Amen. Amen. That's cool, right? Do something. Practice on your spouse. If you need, if, if you, write to Pastor Arthur if you're like, I don't know if this is encouraging. He's got the Spirit to tell you if it's from God or the devil. He'll tell you. No, that's from the devil. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every precious person in this church. For those who who are here in person, for those who are here this on the video. Nobody is with, nobody has an excuse that they have not been gifted and called because you have gifted and called every single person. The only question is if we have the courage to step out and use it. Lord, that we would not be a church of sitters. We'll be a church of doers. And in so, removing the basket that is over our our lamps and our lights and using them to shine for you. Lord, that you would stir our hearts. You would correct us. Convict us. And thank you that you have empowered us. Please, Lord. That when we talk to you, that we are not making you angry because we refuse to hear your voice. When you're saying, I am with you. What are you complaining about? I am with you. Lord, I thank you for such a special blessing for all the moms that you have gifted to be in that incredible position. What a blessing they are in the framework of our whole society. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for us. If you have never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, call out to him today. He will forgive you and he will save you. But you've got to call out to him. That's one of those practical, miraculous moments. You practically reach out to Him and He supernaturally saves you. Church, let's pray that together and then we will will be dismissed. Say, dear Lord, thank You for dying on the cross for me. And I believe that You rose again. And because You rose again, 
you conquered the power of sin and death. I ask you to forgive me and make me a new creation. Embed me into your sonship, into the family, and you will never leave me or forsake me. I am yours. Clean out the cobwebs out of my heart. Empower me with boldness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bruce, why don't you raise your hand? If you prayed that prayer and you want to know more about next steps, you don't want to stay as you are, you're new to the faith or maybe you've never fully grown in the faith, Please see, Bruce, we've got something very special for you. We've got some books for you, starting a new class. Um, And uh, anyway, happy Mother's Day, Pastor. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Wasn't that good? Wasn't that great? You know, it's screaming in my spirit right now is that it's not about performance. It's not our performance. When you lay hands, the reason we lay hands on the sick and they recover is because Mark 16 says that. And because Jesus is the one the finished works of Christ Jesus is what gives us that. It doesn't say Mark chapter 16. Pray this convincing prayer. You know? Have you ever done that where you lay hands and you're like, man, this just seems like a simple prayer coming out of me. But it's not based on your performance. It's just being obedient and doing what Mark 16 says. Praise God. Thank you, Brent. Let's all stand up. Thanks for listening today. To stay connected, visit us online at velocityburnham.org and follow us on Instagram. And if you're ever in the Burnham area, we'd love to have you visit us on a weekend. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.